just like he has a word for his church everywhere. If you would turn with me to 2 Peter 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And then if you would turn with me to 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Second Timothy 2, verse 1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you for bringing us together here this morning. We thank you for all those who are present, for all those who may hear this message in person or recorded today. And Dear God, we know that you have a plan for each one of us, that you're doing a work in our lives. We know that it wasn't an accident that we're here this morning or that you saved us. It, it wasn't of ourselves, it was of you, and that you're the giver of grace, you're the giver of life. Dear God, we ask for grace this morning, we ask for life, we ask for obedience. We ask for teachable hearts. We ask for your mercy on each one of us this day. We pray, Almighty God, that you would help us to be everything that you want us to be, that you've purposed for us to be by your power. And we submit, we humbly submit ourselves, our lives, our thoughts, our attitudes to you this day, asking that you would Make them all good. Make our thoughts the thoughts that you think. Our hearts the hearts that please you. Our actions the actions that fulfill your will. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I believe God would have us focus this morning on the concept of grace and what grace is and what grace is for us. Grace in its simplest terms is favor, that God would have favor on us, and clearly he has. But I think sometimes, at least before I looked into this in detail, I, didn't, I don't know that I fully understood what grace is all about for each one of us, what it means to us, and how it can help us in this life. Because, you know, many of the things that, that come upon us in life or that we face in life are bigger than we are. Well, things like losing a pastor. It's not anything we ever planned for. We were just young kids, many of us, when we started this walk 40 years ago or whatever it was for you. And uh, we never thought that we would get this old, quite frankly. We thought Jesus would be back long before this. 
In fact, when I got saved, I can remember Gary Eide saying to me, oh, it was a photo finish. You just made it in, brother. 1976. <laughs> that was a few years ago, right? You just made it, brother. And that's the way it seemed. I mean, things were happening, and there was a great emphasis on the end times and upon the soon return of Christ, which was appropriate. And it felt that way. It felt like, wow, just God finally got a hold of me, and I made it in just in time. Well, he got us all in just in time. And it's, you know, that end time is marching toward us more so than ever. I mean, it's, it's coming up. It's, it's not debatable. There is, we are living in the last days. We don't know if we, how much time that we have here, but we are the end time generation. And we have faced and we do face things that we never thought we would face. And we're going to face more things and harder things, and bigger things, and greater things than we have ever imagined, that we've ever faced before in our lives. We're going to need grace to deal with these things. We're going to need God's help. It's not a bad thing. God, clearly God could have kept our pastor, Gary Eide, alive until he was 80 or 90 years old, and he could have continued pastoring. I would have been happy with that. Clearly he could have kept Brother Tom around here until he was... 100 or 200 years old, but and I think Paul accused him of that a few times, of hanging around too long, but, but that wasn't God's plan. That's not God, what God has for us. And I, as much as I miss Brother Gary Eide, as much as I wish I could talk to him, there are times I, I so much wish I could just spend five minutes with him. Just give me five minutes. I want to ask you some questions. But I can't do that. But God wants us to, he wants to do a work in us. That's what he's doing through all this. I hope you can see that. It became clear to me quickly after Brother Idy went home to be with the Lord. He said, you've got to grow up. You've got to take some more responsibility. Me, I, I, God was showing me that. God is, and, and several of us brothers got together and we, began doing what needed to be done and taking responsibilities that we hadn't taken, I was ashamed. I was ashamed at how little I had helped my pastor, how little I had cared for him carrying the burden of the preaching and, and the, even the, getting the cleaning done, getting the books balanced or whatever somebody has to do if nobody else does it. I was ashamed of how little responsibility I had chosen to take it on. I had it pretty free and easy. I was preaching occasionally and, and uh, working a full-time job, which was a lot of responsibility, but I could have done more. I could have taken some of the load off my pastor. I could have helped him. And I, Now that that load falls to a great deal on my shoulders, it all looks very different. And it's not just me. We have some great brothers in the body in, in Milwaukee who help out and who have, from the day that we first started picking up the pieces, I've had great support, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm very thankful, and God has given the brothers grace and taught us how to work together and how to be in unity, and we had some issues with not being on the same page, and that was a challenge and it's always going to be a challenge. But, you know, it's, when things are tough is the wrong time to start picking at each other. 
It's, it's a mistake. It's, it's a time that we need to pull together and work together. I hope you can see that. You're going through, uh, and maybe, I don't know where you are in this, in this transition, but you really need to pull together. You really need, we need to get back to the basics and say, what does God call us to do in the, in the assembly? What is the church all about? Why are we here? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about who I can be. It's about what God wants to do. I hope you can see that. I don't think I'm telling you anything new, but, but we lose track of these things. We get busy, we get frustrated, we whatever. Something happens, and sometimes we lose track of what God is doing and why we're here. You know, the church is the original support group. Before anybody coined that phrase, God made the church so that we would all have essentially family to help us out in our walk with him. People to walk with us, people to hold us up, people to pray for us, people to maybe to support us with our material needs or whatever we whatever the problem is, somebody who's there for us because a lot of us when we got saved were rejected by our friends and family and coworkers and you name it, we needed somebody, we needed some kind of support, somebody to encourage us. Instead of just being rejected that somebody would say, yes, brother, you're on the right track. This is a good thing. Praise God. Praise God that you made it in. We all need that. At some point, we all need that. We need the support of one another. I need you. You need need me. We need to love each other. Not just be casual friends. We really need to love each other. That is what the church is all about. We're here to be a blessing to one another. And I know that, I know many of you know that. I know many of you do many things to help and encourage each other. But, like I say, the devil will try to deceive us. He'll try to distract us in so many ways and get us thinking about ourselves or, you know, somebody didn't treat me right, somebody didn't look at me the right ways, whatever. And it'll cause stress in the assembly, stress in our lives. And it's not right. It's not of God. God doesn't breed division. He breeds unity. Jesus came to serve. That's what he said. He didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve. How much more you and I, his servants, we're not here for our best life now. In the sense, in the worldly sense that that's, that presents itself, we're for, here for God's life now, for God's will today, God's will to be, done, to be done on this earth as it's done in heaven. Like Jesus taught us to pray, God, Your will be done. Whether it makes me feel good or not, Your will be done. On earth, it's, I hope you can understand what I'm saying to you this morning. We need the grace to receive. God's will being done in our lives. The grace to walk in what he's called us to walk in. The grace to stand when he says to stand. To speak when he says to speak. To believe when he says to believe. To be the people that God has called us to be. It's not easy and you can't do it by yourself. We value your fellowship. We as the church in Milwaukee value your fellowship. This church in Kentucky. Because we've... We've been friends for a long time, and, and we value your support and your friendship. We're in the same boat in many ways. 
We even occasionally have somebody marry from one place to another and tie us all together. Somebody was telling me a few years ago that before this is all over, we're all going to be just like a bunch of Kentucky Hill people. We're all going to be intermarried. We're all going to be relatives of everyone. So you might as well get to liking us or at least uh, accepting us because that's the way it seems to work. So, but, but it's because God is at work here and he's at work by us as well. And he has a plan that isn't our plan. Excuse me a minute. And he has a will to accomplish in this church. I want to talk a little bit about this grace that God gives. We serve God and others by the grace which God gives. God gives the increase. No matter what you are doing, no matter what you think you have done and are doing for God, or, or you are doing, I'm not speaking lightly of that, but we do it by the grace of God. I, I hope we can all recognize that. As much as we'd like to take credit for it sometimes, it's not of us. It's of the Lord. You know, Paul didn't plan and prepare himself to be an apostle. He didn't prepare himself. He never planned to be an apostle. He was out trying to murder the apostles. But God used those experiences that he went through and the training that he had as a rabbi or as a Jewish scholar to prepare him for the ministry that he had for him. Paul wanted to serve God, and God had that plan of ministry for him. He gave him grace. And Paul, you can read it in Paul's epistles, you can see it in his life, that he recognized, he called himself the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I'm not worthy to be with these people. I persecuted the church of God, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can't we all say that? I mean, if I'm anything, if there's any good in me, if I have any good attitudes, if I've done anything well, it's by the grace of God. It wasn't because I was so smart or so wise or so kind. No, I was a self-centered person, a blasphemer, a sinner like, like you were. It was God that got a hold of me. It was God's, God who gave me the grace to do anything good that I did. I can't really take credit for it. I shouldn't take credit for it. It was God. I never chose this life. I despised those Christians. God's grace enables men to be and to do what they could not be or do without it. That is absolutely truth. Whatever you have done good, whatever God has done through you, it's God doing it through you by his grace. You couldn't do it without him. Don't try. Don't ever try to serve God on your own, in your own flesh. It's not going to work. All of us are where we are at. If, we, if there's anything good in us, if there's any great things that we've done, we've done it by the grace of God. Again, like Paul said, by the grace of God I am what I am. It's not me. Every one of us were born sinners. We were born self-centered, self-focused, ambitious, wanting our own way, pushing our own agenda. We need God's grace in our lives. We need to recognize that it's, it's by his grace. Anything good in us is by his grace. 
It's a gift. Grace is a gift. God doing his work in us. Many times in our walk with God, we, we come to the place where we say, I can't. Come on, you've been there. I can't go any further. I, I don't, or I don't want to, or I, I won't. I can't go talk to that man or that person. Either I'm embarrassed or I don't like that person or... We come to many places or believe in God sometimes when we're going through some kind of a trial, whatever it may be. We say, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. I mean, you may not say it out loud because you know that's a bad confession, but somewhere inside of your heart you're thinking, I can't do this. But God is saying, you can do this. Again, Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's true of every one of us. If there's any good in us, can you see this? If there's any good in me, if there's any love and kindness in me, it's by the grace of God. It didn't come from me. It didn't come from the flesh. It wasn't natural. I was never able to do the things that I and, and be what I am today without the grace of God, without God's spirit within me. Men want to give credit to themselves or to other men and try and build themselves up. I'm saying not you guys, but people outside of here. Always want to take credit for what we've done or our, compliment, our accomplishments. And often when someone's introduced or, or recognized, they say this person did this and this. And again, I say, how can we say anything but... It's the work of God. If, God. if anything good has come out of my life, if anything good is going on in my life, it's because of God. As a sinner, I wasn't trying to do any good for anybody. I was trying to do good for myself. I was serving myself. That's all I cared about. I might have done occasionally some kind of kind or thoughtful thing for somebody else, but that's because it served my purposes. Man is so selfish. We and of ourselves are so self-centered. I hope... I hope you can see, I can see it so clearly in my life. If there's anything good in me, it's because of God. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. It's not my flesh. It's not my Adam desire that's doing that. It's the grace of God within me. And God gives more grace. All of us are cleaned up and polished this morning. We look, whatever, better than when we woke up this morning anyway. And we look pretty good. I mean, you know, maybe your wife dusted you off and put a coat on you and brought you to church, and you're looking a little better than you did this morning. We th- we're thankful for that. And, but it's still, it's, it's, not, it's not you. The beauty of a Christian is not their flesh. It's not, it's not the you that was originally saved. It's the work that God is doing in you. Have you ever looked at a, a man or a woman that's been saved and really cleansed by the blood? I mean, we all are. And you can see the work of God. I mean, you can see God's grace in their life. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. God can take people who are the wickedest, the vilest of people, like me, and maybe like you, 
and turn them into people who look like they're squeaky clean and they've been in church all their lives, never done anything wrong. It's God's work. It's God's grace. I didn't change myself. I didn't want to change. You know what I'm saying? I was happy being a wicked sinner. You probably were too. I mean, happy, I was pursuing it. Nobody had a gun to my head. I chose sin. I chose to turn against God and, and run with the world and do all the things that they did. I didn't want to turn to God. It was God that got a hold of me. Can all God's people say amen to that? I mean, it's not of us. This is not of us. I'm not here today because I wanted to come and serve God and be a godly man for my whole life. That was not my ambition as a young man. I'm not sure what it was, but it wasn't that. It was certainly not anything that noble. I wanted to be an artist and go live in the woods somewhere and paint pictures and... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That's that's the atom that was in all of us that that wanted to do something weird like that. It sounds good when you're 16, 18 years old, but praise God, he got a hold of me and it got a hold of you. Just think you could be out in the woods running around with whatever, doing, doing that kind of stuff, eating mushrooms and putting twigs in your hair or something. I don't know. God saved us from ourselves is what he saved us from. Our own foolish hearts. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you say that? I, I hope you. I hope you understand that that is, that is absolutely true. There's no debating that. As a Christian, we have to realize that if there's any good in me, it's because of God. If anything good is happening in my life today, it's by the grace of God. God has changed me. God has shaken me, woken me up, changed my life. God's had people rebuke me, and I needed it. God's had people encourage me. God's had people help me, and we can all say that. It's by the grace of God. I hope you can look back. I don't know how long you've been saved, but however long you've been walking with God, I hope you can look back at your life and say, I wasn't that smart. I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough to choose what God had for me. I wasn't so brilliant. I wasn't so athletic. I wasn't so handsome. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. And that's a good thing. You don't want to be what you would have made yourself, what you would have let the devil make yourself into. And we don't want to do that now. We want to, we want to give glory to God. We want to rely on God's grace to stand upon God's grace. God's grace is... is his favor, it's his enabling. I mean, some would say unmerited favor. Well, of course it's unmerited. What, what could we do to earn God's favor? There was nothing good in us. There's still nothing good in us unless it's something that God has put into us. And then we can't take credit for it because it's God that gave it. It's a gift on loan from God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you say that? I mean, do we understand that that's where we are today? We stand only by God's grace. I can't say I was so smart I figured this out. I was so stupid that I didn't figure out that God was bigger than I was until he got a hold of me. I was about, uh, how old was I? I was about 16 years old. 
And my parents, uh, my dad had just recently gotten saved. He was a he was uh, running, he was like a plant manager at a plant in Michigan, at a die casting plant, and he he got saved, and he really got saved. And, you know, he poured all of his booze down the sink and all that kind of stuff and started going to church. I mean, it was real. It is real. He's still a believer today. And we started looking for a church, and we started, and we were living in southwestern Michigan at the time, in the middle of nowhere, more or less, a place called Sister Lakes, Michigan. And um, my brother and sister went down to a place called Christ for the Nations one summer, and they got saved. My, my brother, who was my partner in crime, we did all of our wicked stuff together, drugs and everything else. Well, he came back, like, way over the top, on fire for God. And after me to get saved, that was tough. Because he, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he was the real deal, the real article. And he was after me to get me saved. But I had this belief that uh, I, I had, we were raised in the Methodist church, and they essentially taught, you know, that once saved, always saved. That So when I was 12 years old, we went on a youth uh, lay witness mission. Some of you might know what I'm talking about, where you get a bunch of kids together. They put about 40 kids. I was about 12 years old. Put us on a bus in Louisville, Kentucky, where we lived at the time. See, I said that right, you can tell. I didn't say Louisville or Louisville. I said Louisville, right? And they put us on a bus. They sent us to Jonesboro, Arkansas to preach to the kids there. And we weren't, we thought we were saved, but most of us were just pretending. And, and we confessed Christ, but it didn't change us. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've gone through that. Where you where you make a you pray the prayer, but you really didn't understand what was going on. And, and hopefully, years later, sometime later, the lights came on. You figured out. Well, I I was in the church. We went we went on this trip. I confessed Christ. I it didn't change us. We were still pursuing the world. We were pursuing everything in the world, even on the trip, pursuing the world's ways, the world's pleasures. It didn't change us. We just had the words. We, we knew the right speak after that. And I was taught that if you confessed Christ, you were saved forever. So I, I was out, at that point, I was out pursuing the world full tilt, you know, throttle, throttle all the way forward, saying, well, I, I got saved when I was 12 years old, so I'm good. I can go live like the devil now. It doesn't matter. I mean, I didn't say it that way. I... I Maybe thought better of myself, unrealistically. You know, a lot of people are deceived about where they stand with God. They, they think it's all about them. It's not about us. Well, I was one of those people that was thoroughly deceived into thinking that I was right with God when I wasn't. And I can remember my brother coming back from, this, from his uh, summer at Christ for the Nations Institute. Him and my older sister went down there. And they came back, and he began to debate with my mother whether Marty is saved or not. I was pulling for her. <laughs> and this went on for weeks or months. I can't remember how long, but it was painful. And I can, I can remember where I was standing in my bedroom when I finally heard him win the argument. Because my life crashed. 
I was trusting in dust. I was trusting in my mother's assurance that because I had prayed a prayer when I was 12 years old that I was okay with God. But I was living like the devil, and that's what my brother was saying. He's living like the devil. Well, how can you say he's saved? He has no interest in spiritual things. There's no fruit in his life. Maybe some of you have been there. And, you know, I had nothing, I had no defense because I was relying on somebody else telling somebody else that, yeah, he's okay. I knew I didn't have any interest in spiritual things. I knew I was living like the devil. Boy, I'm so far from my notes, I don't know how I'll ever get back, but (laughs) it makes a good story anyway. I hope you're enjoying this. But, you know, by God's grace, he woke us up. We ended up going, my dad got saved, and we ended up, we were living in southwestern Michigan, and one time, I don't know how this came about exactly, except God was involved. We drove, oh, I thought my parents, I literally thought my parents had lost their minds. We, it was a winter morning, I think it was like December, January, it was was cold, snowy. We drove two hours from where we lived in Michigan to go down to a barn in Indiana, a place called the Glory Barn. I'm thinking, we're driving two hours to go to a barn? I I really, I thought my parents had lost it. I thought something was wrong, you know? And we got there, and, and there was a bunch of, you know, it was a barn. It was all painted up, but it was a barn, and, and uh, God, God struck me in that place. He came and, I mean, I was a sin-hardened young man. I was about 16 years old, and I was on the wrestling team and probably in the best shape I've been in in my life physically and had no interest in giving in to these Christian people. But, see, my dad had this wedge on me. If if I didn't go to church with him, he wouldn't let me have the car. So I, I had to go to church so I could get the keys to the car so I could go have my fun on the weekends. So... So I went with him to the glory barn, and it was just a place. I don't know if any of you were ever there back in the day, but it was an amazing place. It was just filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We got to the door, and there was three or four young men, you know, just slightly older than I was, sitting there shaking your hand, you know, just shake the teeth out of your mouth if you didn't. And praise God, brother, so good, glad you're here. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. And uh, And then we went and sat down, and people were having visions and prophecies and so forth and and um, some toward the end of that some woman stood up in the front of the meeting and said God is softening a young man's heart here just like Adolf's meat tenderizer tenderizes a tough piece of meat and it was me and I knew it instantly because the fire of God was burning in my chest and I wasn't it wasn't anything I was asking for let me tell you that and I was resisting the Holy Spirit with every bit in me. And I was, I was in the wrestling team. I was 16 years old. I was tough, I thought. Nobody could overpower me. Nobody could make me cry. Tears were streaming down my face. I was, and I was holding on with my toes, literally. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it happened. I think I was leaning about that far forward over the chair in front of me. But... And this went on for, they waited for a few minutes, and somehow I managed to resist the Holy Spirit. What a stupid thing that was. And, and then I kind of noticed that nobody figured out that it was me, so I kind of stood myself up and wiped off my face, and on we went with the meeting. It was two years later before I finally surrendered to God. 
But from that day forward, I knew for a fact that God was bigger than I was. I thought I could resist God. I realized then I had no power. I had no power to resist God. You don't have any power to resist. If God wants you, he'll lay you flat out on your belly or on your back, and he'll tell you what for. We don't have any power to resist God. It would be much better if we just went along with the program. That was sort of the message that I got from that, that, you know, God is real. If he wants me, I can't resist him. If he wants to do something in my life, I am powerless. Doesn't matter how good a shape I'm in, doesn't matter how strong or mighty or wise I think I am, if God wants me, he's got me. And the, the foolishly, I resisted for two years before I finally surrendered to Christ, but thank God that he got a hold of me. Thank God he took the time, and I know that many of you have a similar testimony that, that God has woken you up, that God took you out of where you thought you were happy, where you thought that life was just okay, and he got your attention. You know, sometimes God just needs to slap us across the face and wake us up, you know? You're not what you think you are. It's not as good as you think it is. Your life of sin is just leading you to death. Men may want to give credit to themselves or to other men. It's God. Can you see that it's God that works in your life? By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's not me. I didn't choose God. God chose me. I didn't, I didn't think that this was something that I... When I was a young man, I never aspired to be serving God. It's God that gives you that heart, that will to do his will. In, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3... In verse 1 it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not solid meat. And I'm not speaking to this church. I'm I'm just saying this is is where he came from. He says, For you are still carnal, verse 3, Therefore, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, and I am... And another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, or who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. In other words, they only have what God gave them. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me. And he goes on. But he's pointing out that whatever is going on in our lives, whatever good thing is happening in our lives, whatever good God has done through you, is by God's grace. Can you receive that? Can you believe that? Do you understand that? Do we, do we realize that? It's not because I was a hero. It's not because 
you or I were so smart. I didn't choose God. I ran from God. You probably did too. I resisted foolishly. I resisted God. But by God's grace, now that he has gotten our attention, now that he has brought us kicking and screaming before his throne, he has chosen to give us gifts. He's chosen to empower us. He's chosen to use us, the most unwilling, the most unlikely vessels. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you, can you see that? I never won any beauty contests. I was, I was nobody's hero. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. For all of us. You know, we sometimes think, well, I accomplished this great deed. I preached to many or whatever I did. I, I led this brother to Christ and I did this and that. And No, you know, we need to say God through me did that, that thing. It wasn't me. God isn't glorifying men. Men. God is being glorified through men. What a strange thing that God would do that, isn't it? That God would allow himself to be glorified through us? What does he need us for? He doesn't. The reality is he doesn't. He could have chosen to do all this without you and I. You see that? He didn't really need me. Sometimes we have this self-grandizing, that's the right word, thought, that we are essential to God, we're necessary to God, that he couldn't, how could he ever continue without me? He could. Don't give it too much thought. He could. And he will. He would. If he needed to, go along with the program. It's much better for everybody. I fought God for years those two years between the time that he lured me or brought me, humbled me by his Holy Spirit and the time that I finally surrendered to him, it's, many of you have been there too. You know what it's like to resist the Holy Spirit. It's not a pleasant experience. It's futile. You might as well just quit. If you're here and you're not saved, you haven't surrendered your life to God, he's going to win. I'll tell you that. You're fighting a losing battle. You might as well quit right now. If God wants to put you on your knees, he could do it right now. doesn't matter how big and strong and tough you think you are. If God wants you on your knees, he can put you on your knees. He can put you flat on your back. He can take every ounce of energy and strength out of you until you beg for mercy. But in his mercy, he doesn't do that to us. How, how can we understand the grace of God, the mercy that God has upon us? Why is God so kind to us? Why was he so nice to us when we were cursing his name? How could he do that? How could he be that nice? Because he's God? Because he chose to? Who were we? We weren't, according to his word, we weren't a great people. We might have thought we were some big shot, somebody who was going a long ways, somebody who was doing a lot of great things. We may even think today that we have a lot of skills. We're, you know, apart from God's grace, we're nothing. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to help you to see all that we have, whatever good is in us, is from God. Can you, can you understand that? I mean, does that... It's reality. I, ho I hope that's not news to you. If there's any good thing in me, it's by the grace of God. It didn't come from my flesh. So why wouldn't we rely even more heavily upon God's grace? Why wouldn't we go to God for everything in our lives? 
Even our stinky attitudes. Have you ever had a stinky attitude? Come on, you can say yes. You don't have to nod your head, but your wife would say yeah. <laughs> if I asked her, she would tell me. Or if I asked your husband, he would be honest for you. We all have, we all have our times where we're our ugly times, right? We've done it. I'm not trying to magnify the flesh, but I'm saying you and I, we didn't choose God. We didn't choose to be squeaky clean, godly people. We wanted to be cool and popular and run with the world and do all those kind of things. But God, in his mercy, got a hold of us. And by his grace, he has made us whatever we are today. If there's any good in us, if there's any good thing happening in my life, if there's anything good going on in me or through me, it's by the grace of God. I hope you can see that. I hope that's clear to you. If it's not, read it and look in your Bible. You'll see. Paul had... Paul had that down pat. I mean, he was, he was totally grounded in this concept because he understood when he appeared before the church, he said, I, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I was murdering apostles. I was, I was destroying the church of God. I was killing people. Why would God choose me? And... And it's in 1 Corinthians 15. We're in 1 Corinthians if you have your Bible still open or if your phone is still on. I mean, this, this is really the thesis of the message in a nutshell. 1 Corinthians 15.10. And we'll start in verse uh, 8. He says, But then last of all, He was seen by me, speaking that Paul saw Jesus, also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And this is the passage right here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but what? If, if, I have, if I have labored in Christ, if I have done good works in Christ, if I have studied, if I have been kind to others, it's not me. It wasn't me. I didn't have the heart to do that. What is it? It's the grace of God that was in me. It's God's gift in me that enables me to do anything that is worthy or praiseworthy in his name. Can you see that? I hope that's, that's not a surprise to anybody, but it is God at work in us. It's God's work in us that gives us the hope of glory. We, left to ourselves, would choose wrong every time. We would choose to please our flesh. We would choose to glorify ourselves. We would choose to fight and argue to get our way. I hope you... <laughs> It's true, It's true, isn't it? Our flesh would say, well, they're not paying any attention to me. They're supposed to look at me. They're not listening to my opinion. They're supposed to listen to my opinion. What's wrong with them? That's what the flesh says. Don't they see how beautiful I am or how handsome I am and what leadership qualities I have? Can't they appreciate me? No, they can't. Because what's good in you 
the good qualities that are in you are a gift from God. They're by God's grace, just like he says. By the grace of... I hope you can say this with me. I hope this means something to you. It means, the, it means everything to me. It's, it's very clear to me, and I hope we can see this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't choose God. He chose me. I didn't clean up my life. He cleaned up me. I would be perfectly happy. I would have been perfectly unhappy, really, but thinking I was happy, pursuing the ways of the world and going on with the parties and all the things that the world wanted me to do and that I thought I was going to do, but my life was headed for hell. If there's any good thing in us, today, it's by the grace of God. And there are good things in us. And I know that many of you have, are that all of you, I believe, are partakers of God's grace. And so God... God changes us. God changes our hearts. He changes our desires. He forgives us, forgives us of our sins. He makes us new people. And all of that is God's work, and the praise for all those things goes to God, not to me, not to you. It's God's work. God is the one who gives us grace to serve him. God is the one who gives us grace to choose him. You know, some might say, well, you sound like, that sounds like fatalism. That sounds like, you know, we can't do anything. It's kind of a fine line. I don't, I'm not saying that it's fatalism. We still need to obey God. We need to respond to God. We need to obey God. But, you know, if you, if you understand what the Bible says about this, there, there really isn't any credit that goes to you and I for serving God. It's all Him. I hope you can see that. I hope you can see that we are absolutely, 100%, totally, without exception, dependent upon God for every good and godly thing in our lives. It doesn't come from us. If God has given you grace to do something kind, to be to be a godly man or woman, which he has, and I can see God's work in you, you can thank, we can thank God for it. But it's not because I was such a great person. It's not because I always, you know, some people say, well, I always sought after God. I always really wanted to God. I always wanted to do good things for people. Yes, but you were still selfish, just like I was. You really wanted it because maybe you wanted honor for yourself or whatever, but... It's really by the grace of God I am what I am. It's not me. I, I can't take credit for it. So what are we? If, if whatever we are in this life, if whatever good that is done through us is by the grace of God, then what do we have to brag about? How can I say I'm a great whatever? You know, I'm a great preacher. I'm a great shower of mercy. I'm a great husband, father, whatever we are. No, it's, it's really by God's grace. If you, if you understand, if we go through the message of the New Testament and look at what enables man to obey God, it is not in man. Obedience is not in man. It's God's grace. God's grace is, is his favor. It's his enabling. 
I had some passage that I wanted to wanted to look at here. Um, in John one verse sixteen. Uh, In verse 15, he says, John bare witness of him, speaking of Christ, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, or essentially more and more grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is all this grace for grace? What it, Paul was clearly pronounced himself dependent upon the grace of God. Not self-made, but grace-made. And I know that there's all kinds of abuses of the concept of grace and the teaching of grace where some people would, again, some people treat this like fatalism, that I can't do anything right, so I might as well not try. Because unless God gives me the grace, well, I I guess I'll just have to continue in my sin or my selfish ways. No, that's not what God says. He says we have a responsibility. But even the the will to do is from God. If you read in in 2 Ephesians 2 of our salvation, which is by grace... He says in in Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Can anybody say amen to that? In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature... Children of God? No. We were by nature children of wrath, of God's judgment, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, and in, in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and parenthetically he says, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by what? For by grace you have been saved. I thought I was just the smartest guy that figured this out. He says it's by grace you have been saved through faith and that, not of yourselves. Even the faith is a gift from God. Not of works. It's not of our works. Lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Where, what do we have to brag about? What, how can I say that I'm anything of myself or a self-made man or a man who 
I was just smart enough to figure out that I needed Christ. No, I was so stupid that I didn't figure out that I needed Christ. That's the reality of, of the flesh. That's the reality of the, the unsaved man or woman, that we resist God. Even when God is doing supernatural things in our lives and in the people's lives around us, we resist God foolishly. Why would you resist the creator of the universe? The one who can just turn you into a vapor like, you're gone. The one who, in, that we only breathe because he gives us breath. Why would we resist that God? It doesn't, logically, it doesn't make any sense. It's a foolish thing to do, yet millions of people do it every day. And we, some of us, did it with our eyes wide open. I was saved by grace. I was saved because God had favor on me for no, not because of me, not because some people say, well, he saw, he looked down through history and he saw that you would believe. You ever heard that one? I've heard that one from conservative people. No, he didn't. If there was anything good in me, he put it in me. If there's anything good in you, it's because he put it in you. That's, right. Amen. That's what grace is all about. This is what he's trying to tell us. He says, you're saved by grace, by God's favor. Of course it's unmerited. Through faith, and that's not of yourselves. You can't even claim credit for the faith. He says, that's a gift from God. It's a gift and a gift that allowed you to receive the gift. Can you see that? There's nothing in us. I mean, the next time that you start to feel like you're a pretty good Christian, you're pretty, just read this passage. Just come back here and say, you know what? If God didn't, didn't shake this little brain of mine, if he didn't grab me by the lapel and shake me up and down and put some sense into me, I'd still be chasing the world. I'd still be resisting God and thinking I was smart. Fooey. Yes, I said fooey. Okay? You go forgive me for that, won't you? We think we're so tough. We think we're so smart. We think we're brilliant. I thought I was a brilliant person. I was going to college. I, you, know, you know how self-conceited you are when you're in the world? and Well, it, it, it infects everybody, doesn't it? But I thought I knew better. I thought I knew better than God. I thought I knew better than my parents. I thought I knew better than everybody. I'm going to go make my fortune or do my great things on my own. No. God brings you, will bring you, in his mercy, God will bring you to a place where you can see that you were no great person. I, I hope this isn't, you know, just astonishing news to anybody, but if, if it needs to be, it needs to be. We need to recognize this. That in me dwells no good thing, Paul says. There wasn't anything good in me. You could have searched me with a laser beam. You could have cut me open and looked, analyzed my brain. You could have done whatever you wanted, and there wasn't anything good there before Christ. This work that God has done in me and is doing through me and, and would do through me today, it's all Christ. I can't take credit for it. If there's something good in my life, if, there's some, if I'm showing mercy to someone, if I'm being kind to someone, if I'm being a good father or a good husband, if I'm, if I'm preaching, if I'm healing, praying for the sick and seeing them healed, whatever I'm doing, it's not from me. It's not of my flesh. It's nothing that I brought into the equation. That's right. That's right. By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
You know, that, that brings humility, which is important. But to me, the other side of that coin is it brings hope. And I find great hope and great comfort in this. And I hope you can see what I'm saying. Because you and I, left to ourselves, won't always make the right choices. Can anybody say amen to that? When, how many times have, has somebody called, I mean, this was kind of one of my pet peeves, why do they always call at their trial at like midnight or sometime when you're trying to get some sleep? Why don't they call during the day and ask you to pray for them? I got, then I got to get up out of bed and I'm tired, you know. I don't want to get this flesh out of bed. I want to, I want to sleep. And, and then you've got to pray for them. You know, that's, that, that's when you know who wants to rule this body of ours. Don't interrupt me now. I'm having my me time. Well, interrupt me now. That's what I need. I need, I need somebody to wake me up. We, that's what I'm saying. We don't choose God naturally of ourselves. God gives us the ability to choose him and to walk in, in his way. He gives us the grace to do what we ought to be doing. Without God's grace, we would be making terrible choices. We would just be serving our flesh like we did before we came to Christ. We all know how to do that. It's easy. It's, it's natural. The flesh always says, serve me, help me, take care of me, feed me, promote me, whatever. Seek the glory for yourself. But God's spirit, God's grace in us says, no, you're going to do something different. No, even though you feel like doing this, you need to do this now. So the hope that, the, that this gives me, I hope, you can, I hope you can see what I'm saying, is that if, if the ability to serve God is not of myself, if it's from God, then it's not limited. If God says, pray for that man who you hate, we shouldn't say that, but or that person you can't stand. I, I had lunch with a, a man who was a Christian. This was a couple of years ago. And I hadn't, I hadn't met him before, and we both are close to the same field of business. And I, So I was talking to him, and we were comparing notes, and he comes from a different background than I do spiritually. But I, somehow I mentioned that I was praying for the president. And he said, I can't do that. I just can't pray for this guy. I said, well, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but we really don't have a choice. This isn't optional. According to 1 Timothy 2, the first thing we're supposed to pray for are those in authority. I don't, I don't really have a choice in this matter. It's not, it's not me. It's not because I woke up one morning and said I'd really like to pray for that person. I, don't, I, I, I rarely find myself on the same page as our current president. And maybe I would prefer if somebody else was president, but that's not the point. The point is that God says, pray for your leaders, for kings and for all who are in authority. And he said, I, I can't do it. And I think, okay, so this is, you know what I'm talking about, right? In, in 1 Corinthians 2, or first, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2. Why don't we flip over there, just in case, uh, in case you haven't seen this before for some reason. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore I exhort first of all 
that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. First of all, pray for these kings and leaders that you have. This man said he was a he is a believer. He said, I, I, I don't know how you can do that. I just can't pray for this man. I think, well, we have to pray for him. That's what the word says. Maybe we need to ask God for grace, to give us grace to be able to pray for this man. That would be the, because again, it's not in us. Any good thing is not in us. Our flesh would say, I don't, I didn't vote for him. I don't agree with him. I just want him to kind of, you know, if he would go away or something like that, maybe. I don't know what you think, but but God says pray for him, right? Everybody see that? Is that is that isn't that clear? God says pray for your leaders, pray for those in authority. And and our you know our flesh would maybe say, well, I, 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 I he wasn't my choice. I, I don't really like what he stands for, or whatever. Well, all the more reason is that not to pray for him. I mean, to me, this is quite clear. God is calling us, you know, before you were saved, when you were at your ugliest, somebody was praying for you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that even when you were an ugly sinner, a blasphemer, a hater, a a self-centered, whatever you were, I'll speak for myself, but yeah, ugly, ugly, ugly that somebody took it upon themselves or was inspired by God to pray for you in your ugliness? We don't like to admit that, but that, that's the fact, isn't it? I was not a beautiful person before I was saved. I was a self-centered, ugh, whatever, whatever you call that, lost kid, lost 18-year-old man. But thank God that God put it on somebody's heart to pray for me. So if God tells us that we're supposed to pray for people, even if we don't agree with them, all the more if we don't agree with them, they need to be saved. They need God to change their hearts. So if God says, pray for all in authority, yes, pray pray that they'll receive God's grace. Ask God for grace. Do you ever ask God for grace? It's, good. it's a good thing. I mean, if we understand, if Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, well, then why wouldn't we ask for more grace? He says he gives more grace. If I can't pray for somebody, be it, be it a, a relative or somebody who's harmed me or a political leader or maybe it's the guy leading Korea right now, Kim Jong, whatever his name is, you know, a murderer, a person that you wouldn't ever want to rub elbows with, they're lost, they're dying, they're going to hell. Why, why wouldn't we pray for them? They need God's grace. We need God's grace to obey him and pray for those people. We need to recognize that it's not in us. If there's something that God calls us to do and that we can't do, you can tough it out. You can try toughing it out, but why wouldn't we ask God for grace? And I've, I've got a whole bunch of passages I could go to, but we don't have time this morning. But the concept is that God gives grace. If you're, God is calling you to do something that you don't feel you have the will 
or the power to do of yourself, you all have, I know you've all dealt with this, you've all at some time had somebody that you didn't like, right? And you didn't even want to pray for them. Just let them go. No, that's, that's evil, right? Don't let them go to hell. Have mercy on them. And if you can't pray for them, like this man told me that I met with, he said, I, can't, I just can't pray for this president. I can't. And I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but I'm thinking, well, how can we not pray for him? Somebody prayed for you when you were ugly and in sin. Yeah. Amen. How can we not do that? And if, and if it's not in our flesh, which it's not, can't we pray for more grace? Can't we ask God to give us grace to have compassion on this person and pray for him? That's the power. I mean, the more you understand this walk, the more you understand what God is doing in our lives, you realize that none of it comes from us. And if you don't have what you need, it all comes from God. So even if the will to is not there, even if, even if, you, if it's somebody, let's say it's your next door neighbor and you just can't stand the sight of that person or, or whatever, shame on you, but... Um, you need to pray for that person. The more that they upset you, the more that they get your goat, the more that they tempt you to hate them, the more you need to pray for them. And if it's not in your heart, if it's not, the will isn't within you, we need to go to God and say, God, give me grace to pray for this person. I don't like them. I know that I know he or she isn't saved. I know to me it's a despicable person, but I know you've told me I need to pray for him. So, God, give me grace to pray for him. Is, that, is there anything wrong with that? To me, that's just taking advantage of the opportunity that he gives us, the wisdom that he gives us. If there's somebody, God forbid, there's somebody in this church that you don't get along with or you have some animus towards someone in this church, ask God to give you grace to pray for that person. Amen? <laughs> I just know that's reality. I mean, we're all people. We're all in the flesh. We all deal with personality issues or whatever it is. If you're having a problem with somebody else in this church, pray for them. Right? And God, God will do a work. He'll probably start the work in you before he does anything in them, so I'm warning you. But, but that's the grace that God gives us. That's what God wants. Because our flesh leads us astray. Our, our desires often lead us astray. Our prejudices, which we have and we don't even recognize, lead us astray. But if we will submit it to God, if there's anybody in your life that you don't think that you can pray for, that's the person you need to be praying for. Even if it's a murderer like Sun Jung Kim in Un, or whatever his name is in, in North Korea, you should be praying. we should pray for people like that. Ask for God's mercy on well, at least on the Christians, upon him too, that, that God would have mercy on those who were there. That's what he called, he gives us grace where we don't have strength, where we don't have the ability, we don't have the willingness even to go there. I mean, I really didn't want to get saved. I don't know about you, but it wasn't my heart's desire. I wanted to be a crazy, worldly, partying person. But by God's grace, he got my attention and he showed me that, well, he showed me who he was. He brought me to my knees. 
So if there's something that God calls you to do, if you see something in your life that is a, you can see it's the will of God, you can see that it's where you need to go to obey God and what he's calling you to do, and you can't do it in your strength, well, hello, I can't do it in my strength. I can't love my enemy in my own strength. Somebody is cruel to me, somebody abuses my kids, somebody murders a relative of mine or murders a Christian. I don't feel like loving that person, do you? My flesh doesn't. But by the grace of God, I can do all things in Christ. I can love somebody that's been ugly, even if it's my perception that they were ugly towards me. I can love that person. I can pray for that person by God's grace. Whatever it is God calls us to do, that is not what our flesh wants to do, God can give us the grace and will give us the grace to do that thing. There is nothing impossible to us. Why wouldn't we ask God for the grace to fill in the blank? Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, we admire Paul for his ability to deny his flesh and to travel around the world getting, you know, his offerings were usually rocks or whatever. I mean, you know, at high speed, rocks at high speed. Not what you would be looking for. I mean, he suffered a lot of abuse and deprivation traveling around the world trying to share this new message with the people that didn't want it and were often not welcoming to him. And we face difficulties and challenges too, but... By the grace of God, we can do what God has called us to do. And so often we, for some reason, we think I can, either I can do it in my own strength or I just can't stomach this. Like my friend said, I can't pray for that, for this president. I said, well, you could. I don't, like I say, I don't remember what I said to him, but in my mind I'm thinking, by God's grace, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who liveth in me. God is our enabler. You might have a, a mother-in-law or a neighbor or somebody that you have a hard time loving. By God's grace, you can pray for that person. By God's grace, you can love that person. Hopefully it isn't your husband or wife. But if it is all the more, you need to take it to God and say, God, give me the grace I need to have compassion on this person, to love this person to pray for this person. Give me the grace I need to do your will, to be the man or the woman that you want me to be. What's wrong with that? Isn't that just taking advantage of what he tells us here? Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah, it's not in me. It's not in you. It's not in our flesh. It's in our relationship to God. If there's something God is calling you to do and you see it, ask God for the grace to do his will. And he'll give it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I, I don't know where I am in my notes, so I think I'm just running out of time, and I'll quit there, and we'll, we'll say a prayer, and you can do whatever you do at the end of the meeting. Why don't, why don't you pray with me, if you would? Bow your heads. Dear God, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We thank you for speaking to us out of your word. We thank you for opening our eyes to things which we haven't seen in the past. We thank you for your grace in our lives that you took worthless and unworthy people, that you forgave us and made us your people. We didn't deserve it, 
but you chose us. Father God, we thank you for your grace, and we pray for your grace to be the people that you want us to be in this hour, to love others, even our enemies. We pray that you'd give us the grace to be good husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and spouses and neighbors and all the things, good members of your assembly. We pray that you'd give us the grace to choose you over our own flesh, to put you first in our lives, to surrender our worldly ambitions and our selfishness to you. God, give us grace. We know that it's not of ourselves, it's of you. If there's any good thing in us, it comes from you. And we pray that you would put that good thing in us, that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit so that there would be nothing lacking in our lives, but that you would find pleasure in us and in the things that we say and do. All this we surrender to you and we ask you this morning, Almighty God, in the holy and mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand our feet. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah. 